This podcast is part of the 80s Ruled Network. Visit the 80s Ruled on Facebook for more 1980s awesomeness. Too much fun. Stop enjoying Will's entertainment. Mm. My entertainment. Mm. Right. Chuckle balls. <laughs> hey, Chuckle balls. welcome back to another episode of 1980s <laughs> Now, a weekly examination of the importance of 1980s pop culture and its influence right now on this very mm. day. Hey, my name's Will, and joining me as always are my friends and co-hosts, Kat and John. Hey, guys. How are Hello. you? Hello. Hey, how's it going, guys? On today's show, you're going to hear our Facebook Live interview with Mark Holton. Mm-hmm. You remember him? He's a star oh, of uh, nice. Pee-wee's uh, Big Adventure. He's the guy who tortured him, stole his bike. <laughs> he, but oh. for him, you know, Pee-wee would not have had to go on a big adventure. And thank <laughs> mm-hmm. goodness for that. Uh, but he was also in both mm-hmm. Teen Wolf films. He was in Leprechaun, A League of Their Own. Uh, he's got a brief mm-hmm. appearance in the Naked Gun movie, a very memorable moment. A lot of the characters he's played are so quotable and memorable. When you see his mm-hmm. face, hear his mm-hmm. voice, you know exactly who he is. Yes. Uh, anyway, we just uh, chatted with him on Facebook Live this past weekend, and we're going to share that interview with you. If you want to join and to participate, because these Facebook Lives are interactive, you get to ask questions of your favorite celebrities, pass mm-hmm. on comments, and they respond right there. Say hi, John. Hi, Kat. <laughs> yep. uh, anyway, follow us uh, at 1980s Now on Facebook for future announcements. We got some coming up. Mm-hmm. Right, you'd be like Naven Johnson. I'm somebody. <laughs> <laughs> the celebrity responded yeah. to me. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Hey, let's get caught up on 1980s news. Hey, this week on 1980s news, according to uh, Leah Thompson. Mm-hmm. Sorry. According to Leah Thompson, I always want to say Leah. And I tell you why. Yeah. It's because as a kid, I knew Leah before I knew any Leah. And I heard yes. Leah, 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 Leah. Yes. Right. You're playing with your action yes. figures. Leah. 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 Leah, Leah, Leah. What I realize now is. I don't know any other Leia. Everyone else I know with this spelling of a name or mm-hmm. similar mm-hmm. is Leah. Leah. Mm-hmm. And I know like five Leahs. <laughs> so that's how I remember it. There's only one Leia. Everyone. Okay. Mm-hmm. So according to Leah Thompson, Marvel mm-hmm. ruined yes. her career, which is a surprise to me because she seems like she's doing fine. Right. But I, guess I, I yeah. looked yeah. at her filmography. There's barely yeah. a year where she hasn't acted. So yeah. I'm not Ruined. quite sure about this Absolutely whole thing. Absolutely devastated, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, it could have gone that way because uh, well, <laughs> lately, you know, for over a decade now, uh, many actors have longed to appear in Marvel movies. You know, they they dominate the box office. They've mm-hmm. helped careers of folks that were lesser known and they've helped revive careers of folks like Robert Downey Jr., you know, who are mm-hmm. sort of, you mm-hmm. know, constantly waxing and waning. But in the 1980s, that wasn't so. We had a number of different Marvel projects on TV. A couple of things, you know, uh, I, like, I don't think anything made it to the f- movies. I think this was the first comic book, certainly adaptation, uh, a Marvel film on the big uh-huh. screen. I think that might be true. Sounds mm-hmm. right. Uh, we had a lot of made for TV stuff. I think uh, so. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, mm-hmm. as kids, we loved it. And you watch it now, it's almost unwatchable. You know, it's, <laughs> it's so goofy. Well, well and I there was made for TV stuff that didn't even make it to TV, for that matter. <laughs> yeah, what was that wow. made for? <laughs> it, no, they, they just killed it. Made yeah. for the incinerator. <laughs> yeah. Was there, there was like a Fantastic Four film that got the kibosh when uh, well, yeah. Stan oh. Lee stepped in and said, hmm, this is not exactly what I was hoping for. And like, it never hit the 
Yeah, old documentary, but you watch a documentary about it, but you can't yeah. watch it. Those are the <laughs> Roger Corman one. I think you're talking about, right? That's right. Exactly. Right. I mean, yep. you could do a whole episode on that, right? Whereas Fox had as a deal that they have to make a fantastic four movie every mm-hmm. summer, several number of years. Mm-hmm. Otherwise they lose the rights. So the, God, God damn, <laughs> they're going to make a fantastic four movie, even if it's garbage. It's and terrible. That's what they did, yeah. <laughs> But speaking of making garbage, uh, while speaking mm-hmm. uh, to the Celebrity Ketchup podcast, uh, Thompson reflected on a number of important events throughout her career. Mm-hmm. And while one of those is undoubtedly Back to the Future, I mean, that put her on the map in 1985, mm-hmm. it was her role mm-hmm. in 1986's yeah. Howard the Duck, just a few months later, that she believes had a bigger, though negative, impact on her future work. She said, quote, it was devastating. In the course of yeah. a year, I was in the biggest hit and the biggest bomb. So that <laughs> probably destroyed my film career. Even though I did some good films after that, it was really difficult, end quote. So she does acknowledge she kept working, Mm -hmm. but- I'm curious to hear more about this. Like, did she have her eyes on a certain role or did she have some expectation of how things were going to go Mm -hmm. and then being associated with a flop? uh, So was it it a self-perception thing for her or did she- it doesn't sound like she ever, she wasn't ever working. She, mm-hmm. she was always in something. Agreed. And certainly she's made uh, films after this that are beloved, like uh, Casual mm-hmm. Sex and uh, Some Kind of Wonderful, mm-hmm. I believe, was after mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. And she's doing directing, right? She just directed oh, cool. the mm-hmm. most recent, several episodes of the most recent series of Star Trek Picard. Right, huh, right. Doing great work. Yeah, it is cool. curious. And this kind of reminds me of what we talked about, uh, what was it that we were talking about recently? It was having uh, anxiety problems trying to perform on stage. Um Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. With Metallica. Metallica yeah. dude, right? Oh, yeah, the Metallica mm-hmm. dude. Uh, yep. Oh, I should know that name. Um, but yeah, that idea that, you know, having accomplished anything just like the rest of us, you could still have those, uh, you know, yeah. insecurities, I suppose. That's true. Yeah, I wonder if she just doesn't like being associated with something that yep. was not beloved. And I can see rolling out of Back to the Future and going, this, this is going to be my career yeah. from here on out. Yeah. And then when it wasn't like that, you, yeah. you don't get many back to the futures. There are just a handful of those, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and I, I get That's a kind of a, speaking of clickbait, it's kind of a clickbaity thing to say, you know, a Marvel movie ruined her career. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Legally, according to yeah. the nerds, yes, it's a Marvel movie, mm-hmm. but it's not a Marvel movie. A Marvel movie is a, you know, Marvel's an adjective for a movie that means something in modern times. Sure. It's yeah. this giant blockbuster, yep. the super popular. That wasn't Howard the Duck. Right. <laughs> it was a movie made that had to be owned by yep. Marvel. That was it, right? So. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that. Yeah, to your point, John, it probably wasn't promoted. Marvel's name probably isn't on this. No. no now, it no. was a George no. Lucas movie, though. This is a George, this is a Lucas film production. Right. George <laughs> Lucas was so excited about uh, producing this movie that he actually stepped down from one of his roles at Lucasfilm so he could have more free time to work on it. Hmm. He had a lot of faith that this thing was going to be was going to take off. Mm. I think in the first few minutes when you see so many, uh, you know, anthropomorphic uh, duck breasts, you know, this movie's going to be a winner. Yes. <laughs> Can't do anything but win. Yes. Absolutely. No, I, for one, liked this movie. I don't think oh. it's a good movie, Yeah, but mm-hmm. I liked the movie. I huh. enjoy it. I watched it recently for the first time yeah. and it was see? totally goofy. I don't need mm-hmm. to see it again. I think if I had watched it when I was 14, I yeah. would have gotten more attached to it. It probably would have had a nostalgia thing happening. <laughs> Did you but, see it in the 80s, John? Is that- Oh yeah, yeah. I remember as a kid, I, I there just wasn't that much goofy stuff like that at the theater. There just wasn't. And so yeah. this is something that was pseudo serious, pseudo goofy. It was kind of adulty. Mm-hmm. It had that 
it had that heavy metal feel to it. Like this mm. is kind of a cartoon that's uh, dirty almost. I right. love it. You know, mm. it's, it's okay. that kind of, yeah, that kind yeah, of vibe yeah. to it. I, I mean, think and I, I, yeah. oh, I rented it several times just because <laughs> Yeah, I, I asked this question every time, Howard the duck comes up because I haven't watched it since the 1980s, but mm-hmm. she bangs that duck. Right. I mean, there's no, there's no question, right? She's, you just saw it, Kat. I mean, is there? Well, I mean, it's, you know. Yeah, there's it, nothing. It's not on explicit. screen, but it's pretty well implied, yeah. It's, Aren't they yeah. smoking a cigarette in the next scene? The the, the Right. Right, it's something like that, right? Where they, that yes. signal we use in the 80s to let folks know these people mm-hmm. just yeah. had yeah. intercourse. Yep. That's so, the code. That's right. And, yeah. and I think they set it up with all the, seriously, I'm not making this up. There's a lot of duck no, nudity right. in the beginning of the, the first mm-hmm. couple minutes. There is. Yeah, yes, there is. And these yep. are Antha. Yep. There's a lot of duck dong. How many is the right number? Do you think two, <laughs> two? Okay, it's always yes. Quack, quack. All done. Yeah. Anyway, so the uh, folks disagreed with you, John. Unfortunately, it was a massive bomb. Oh, I mean, no. just uh, back thirty-eight million of its thirty-seven million dollar budget. Oh, he it's only made a million dollars. Made a million dollars. Give me that. If, give me that failing <laughs> money. But well, yes. Except you know, like uh, most of it goes to marketing and. Right, agents, yeah. etc. Lucas didn't see any of that money, <laughs> and it's all it got. It still sits at a comfortable fourteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> comfortable. No, they tried. They recently tried to revive Howard the Duck by having him make a couple of cameos in some recent Marvel films. Yes, and uh, that appearance is very different and more comic book accurate as far as the mm-hmm. appearance yep. of the. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, this current iteration is is a voice by actor Seth Green. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, he was like in the collector's collection, I think. He, he showed was. up, yes. right? In Guardians? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I, yeah. I may have heard of Howard the Duck before that, but that moment made me think, oh, I really need to figure this out. I need to go in the ago. back catalog of the Marvel Cinematic Universe <laughs> and get my, oh no, it's Howard the Duck. <laughs> He's also in the like final fight scene of the last Avengers movie. He's there in the line when all the people, yes. all the good Is guys he? show up. He's got like a giant gun or something. That's right. Oh, I forgot that. <laughs> yeah. now, although although uh, Seth Green voiced him recently, Chip Zine, I'm going to say, or Zine, is the voice actor who was ultimately cast to play Howard the Duck in the original mm-hmm. 1986 film. However, it was mm-hmm. revealed on the 35th anniversary uh, interview for Hollywood Reporter last year that Robin Williams had the job at first. Oh, Uh, But he quit because he couldn't handle it. And according to Zine, he said, quote, what I was told by the third day is that Robin said, I can't do this. It's insane. I can't get the rhythm of this. I'm being confined. I'm being handcuffed in order to match the flapping duck's bill. Oh, interesting. So they had already, um, if you remember, it's an animatronic head that Lucasfilm had created (laughs) on a costume. So they already recorded all the footage and they just, Robin was to sync his audio with the, the, the imagery. Oh and my you know, gosh. Robin Williams, you can't, you can put that guy in a straight jacket. He's going to no, yeah. his way right out of that thing. Yeah. There's no Start containing. bouncing off the walls. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. No containing him. Right. right. There's all no right. improvisation when you're matching an existing <laughs> lip sync. Exactly. <laughs> I, I would see that. It'd be weird, but I mean. He, he could have made it not a flop, but yeah. <laughs> they were mm-hmm. trying to they box him in. They just cut to yeah. a lot of like behind the head shots. So you can't right. see the yeah. duck. Reaction <laughs> shots. Yes. Yeah. You just show Leah. T- I'd rather look at uh, Leah Thompson anyway. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say you'd rather mm-hmm. look at the back of a duck's head. And I really didn't want to know why. Because <laughs> then I can't see the dong. Why am I saying duck okay. dong? You know, guys, I, I got to tell you something. Every week I listen to the show and then I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm going to f- try to avoid certain things. Now, so far in this episode, I'm avoiding the certain things I committed to myself after the last episode. Mm-hmm. But oh, now I've added and a you've already added to, You've <laughs> added to the list for the next episode I've now? I've added new things. Right. Now on the list, duck dong. 
Choco balls. You have a list now of things not to talk about. There was a vacuum. You created a vacuum. Yeah. It's being filled with something. Just be normal. Okay. You're like Robin Williams. You cannot be contained. Yes. Okay. Don't go by a list. Well, I'm trying to match the lips of the guy on the screen right now. Yeah. yeah. Hey, another 1980s news per the insider. Jennifer Gray shared more details about her relationship with Patrick Swayze. Mm -hmm. So while promoting her new memoir, Out of the Corner, uh, the Dirty Dancing star recently told the hosts of The View about a touching moment with her former co-star. Look, we've had always heard that maybe there was friction between them and even friction between them on the set of Dirty Dancing, where we talked about this, mm -hmm. I think, when we uh, talked uh, with with Queen V about yes. uh, certain, some scenes in films a few episodes ago. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Look, it's undeniable they have chemistry on the film, but we had heard rumors about some tension. Well, she had uh, told, uh, uh, Jennifer had told um, the, the hosts of The View that they actually did have some friction prior to filming, because mm -hmm. on the set of Red Dawn, a film they made together in 1984, Swayze would play pranks on her on the set that she didn't like. Sometimes mm -hmm. he was also late to the filming uh, where they were shooting in New Mexico mm -hmm. uh, and also just behaved like he was the boss of everyone. She said, quote, it was just like macho and I just couldn't take it. I was like, please, this guy, enough with him. Cat <laughs> can relate. Oh, oh yeah. no, why? Wait, what? <laughs> Please, these guys. I didn't enough, with <laughs> enough with these guys. I committed to not saying certain things, Kat. Now, uh, you didn't know about the dog. <laughs> I'm going to say it again. Don't stop. <laughs> Peacock. <laughs> um, all right. Different bird. So you got to, you got to, you know, get, look, so she's there to audition. I don't know if she had the part before he did. She, I think she may have. Uh, and when it she shows. sounds like she did. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. now she's mm -hmm. being, right. She, they're doing chemistry mm -hmm. tests with her and a bunch of mm -hmm. other actors. Patrick Swayze is one of them. And she's like, hang on. No, this guy is a jerk. I don't like this guy. <laughs> enough mm -hmm. with this guy. Yeah. Enough with this guy. <laughs> but she admitted that during the screen test for the film, Swayze convinced her to change her mind about him. He pulled, she said, quote, mm -hmm. he pulled me down the hall and said to me, already it sounds Bad, right? The story. <laughs> he pulls me down the hall and he said to me, You screwed yeah. this up for me. I swear to God, Leah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he said, uh, quote, I love you. I love you. And I'm so sorry. I, I know you don't want to do the movie with me. Um, Gray, Gray told him while she was impersonating a Swayze's uh, accent. Mm -hmm. uh, and quote, he got tears in his eyes and I got tears in my eyes, not for the same reason. And he goes, we could kill it. We could kill it if we do this. Uh, she said she wasn't quite convinced thinking he may be working her over, but then quote, we go in there and he takes me in his arms and I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> she admitted from that point on, there was no competition for the role. I want to know what her tears were about. She doesn't yeah, I, say. yeah. Right. I would, huh. I would think just the release of, oh. of years of pent up frustration with mm -hmm. this person, you mm -hmm. know, and you've mm -hmm. had a grudge with somebody and you're like, nobody wants to break the ice and do anything. Yeah. And he's done uh -huh. it. And now this, it's gotta be a catharsis, a release to go, this yeah. is not a thing anymore. I'm mm. glad to hear that they resolved something because when we discussed this in the news one yep. time, it kind of bugged me because their chemistry is mm -hmm. really cool in the movie. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh man, they didn't get along in real life. Yep. Oh, it, it just, I didn't, I wasn't happy about that. So now I can feel happier about it that they were able to yeah. resolve something. Yeah. Now, I See, think the other stories we cry. had, to, <laughs> not for the same reason. Uh, the other stories we heard, I think were, were true though too, right? Cat about how in the film, he was really frustrated with her for her lack of dancing ability because he's a trained dancer. And he was like, enough with this woman. <laughs> enough with this woman. Well, yes, he probably was thinking that she had trouble controlling her laughter yeah. because uh -huh. when they would do that yeah. one move, right, right, right? Like and she kept very... giggling and falling apart. And yeah, she's uh, very ticklish. I, 
He was yeah. annoyed by that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, I know what I was going to say. Uh, so yeah you, yeah, you made me think, you know, your comment, John, about uh, maybe why she was crying because mm-hmm. this release, et cetera. I'm trying to think that I ever have a moment where someone approached me and said, look, you remember back mm-hmm. then I was a real asshole to you. I am sorry. Mm-hmm. And then how that felt. And I, I, what occurs to me is no one's ever done that. I can't think of anybody apologizing to me for like, you look, you remember, you know, back a couple of years ago when I was doing those things to you, that never happened. I don't think. Now I've looked up people and apologized mm-hmm. to, and there's some people I expected apologies from. And when right. I apologized to them, they were like, thank you. You were an asshole. And I'm like, and, <laughs> and? they left you hanging. That's it. I apologize to John just a few days ago, probably for the last episode. I've had a couple people mm-hmm. approach me and, and sort of say, uh, Hey, I was going through a difficult time at that period in my life. And I'm sorry if I was too much or, oh. you know, yeah. And that was interesting. And I was like, it's okay. I didn't feel that way wow. about it. Cool. That's it. All right. In other 1980s news, as reported by Slash Film, the Ghostbusters Afterlife crew created secret eBay accounts <laughs> to track down vintage props. <laughs> so cool. I think that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right? <laughs> if you've seen Afterlife, and certainly the three of us have, in mm-hmm. fact, we spoke to Ernie Hudson about it. You can go back and find that episode. It's pretty cool. Yes, we uh, do. One of the fun things about seeing Afterlife, and certainly multiple viewings, was seeing how many Easter eggs you could spot in the background. Mm-hmm. Because, look, we grew up on... Ghostbusters, but we didn't grow up on Ghostbusters any more than Jason Reitman did because he grew up on the set literally of literally. Ghostbusters. Yep. Yes. And Ghostbusters too. He was actually in Ghostbusters too. But uh, so uh, Jason Reitman was meticulous and wanted to recreate Ghostbusters nostalgia in his sequel to that. And he looked to fill his film with as many different Easter eggs for, from the original as he could get his hands on. And uh, as described in Ozzy Nguanzo's book, Ghostbusters Afterlife, the art and making of the movie, Set director Pat Healy explains how creators needed to go undercover to track down a lot of the details about the original Ghostbusters. <laughs> mm-hmm. To his great, uh, you know, fortune, uh, a lot of the gadgets referred to in the classic film could be found online among some of the world's most obsessive Ghostbusters fans. It, <laughs> I mean, and it turns out so cool. a lot of the things that are seen in the background of that film were actual pieces of scientific equipment. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's not surprising, right? I think we talked about how, what a lightsaber hilt is really, John, right? Didn't you bring that up once? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked oh. about that. Uh, so in making props, there's real shortcut is just taking a real life object and just turning it into something, you know, combining a couple of things together. But, into something else. Mm-hmm. But I can imagine if I had an original ghost trap or yeah. background piece or whatever, yeah. yes. uh, current high bidder, I dot Reitman. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> oh. Is that right? Yes. Huh. <laughs> Unlisted, relisted for triple. Reserve not met. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I can certainly see that because if you go to any conventions and yep. you've been going to a few yourself, oh, yeah. there's a huge Ghostbusters community mm-hmm. and, mm. you know, they're not half-stepping on the <laughs> authenticity of backpacks and traps mm-hmm. and paraphernalia and crap on their cars. Are they, <laughs> you look, you just have a very limited stuff. To, to reference just a couple of films that you can go, yeah. okay, what did they use here? What did they use here? And they have torn it apart frame by frame. And so the fact yes. that the people make an afterlife turn to those guys who've been obsessing about it for 40 years to go, I need the <laughs> thing. Mwah, chef's kiss. Love it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so efficient. It makes perfect sense. And you're right. I've, right. I've, I've spoken to some of those uh, members of those organizations at some of the conventions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and wow. Yes. Uh, and Healy said, I did uh, whatever I could to maintain accuracy and acquire those these obscure pieces. That meant sometimes purchasing them on eBay or replicating them and keeping it true 100% to the littlest detail. Many mm-hmm. of the props in the set dressing in the first movie were actually real pieces of scientific equipment, end quote. 
Uh, mm-hmm. The book describes a number of different ways they came to, you know, either like acquire or otherwise recreate uh, mm-hmm. these different pieces, uh, including the Wolverson Angiographic Injector. <laughs> so I didn't know I what it was that. called, of course, but it turns out that's the machine that's being wheeled out uh, of the university when they like get kicked out, kicked right? Out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You remember the guys mm-hmm. wearing like headphones yeah. and like you hear the music as yeah. you pops by? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Now I think I remember yeah. seeing that. I think that's in uh, the the basement or the like the the workshop, right? Okay. That Egon has his secret workshop. It's it's sitting in the background in one of those cool. shots. I wonder if any of the people that they bought this stuff from did they find out later oh. who bought it and it was in yeah. the because I think of like this Galaxy Quest kind of like to find find out that I've been the custodian of this legacy stuff and now uh-huh. it's being reacquired and used in the thing I love yeah I would it would blow me away yes. I ho- yes. hope the people found out after the fact yeah that would be rewarding yeah, yeah. and you wouldn't be you wouldn't feel like oh I should have gotten more money for this versus <laughs> I Reitman on eBay but wow now right. I can point exactly. to I'm a part of the thing that I've loved yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yep, yep. Another notable prop from the 84 film that could could not be located was the, and I, I'm glad they mentioned this because I always wonder what this thing is. And this is one they couldn't find, so they had to build it from scratch. Mm-hmm. Talking about the squeeze bulb ghost sniffer. Uh, if yes. you remember, Peter Venka walks into <laughs> Dana Barrett's office and is pumping that. Yep. Yep. That's like a little sample hose. Like, how many parts per million he's testing or whatever the hell he thinks he's doing. She's like, yep. But doesn't she ask him what does that what does that do? And he's like, uh, "Yes, it's technical." Or, or no, he's technical. like, oh, "Well, actually, uh, yeah." It's right before he plays the piano. They hate this. Yes, yeah. he, he probably doesn't know. Is the reality? Yeah. He has no idea what it does. Yeah. <laughs> I always wonder what that was. Well, it turns out that that's another real a scientific bit of equipment that was u- yeah. is used to detect combustible gas mm-hmm. used by workers mm-hmm. in closed environments where gas may be present. It's called a Baccarat sniffer, and that was a particular model <laughs> three hundred made by United Technologies. And United Technologies apparently, sorry, Baccarat sniffers are still available. People are still needing to sniff out gas in these, uh, with these things, but the 300 (laughs) was nowhere to be found. So Mm -hmm. Healy built his own by acquiring the various uh, screen accurate uh, pieces. uh, Again, by reaching out to these uh, different sources uh, to find out, you know, uh, what the experts knew. Yeah, And I also, I love that, so pro- I'm guessing some of the items in the original yep. movie, they may have put a whole lot of thought into it or maybe not, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, well, we need a weird thing here. Yeah. And so they bring it in, mm-hmm. but cool. yeah. to make afterlife, like <laughs> all the effort they have to go through to, yeah. <laughs> to replicate it. So something that wasn't even that important or that big a deal before is like super important yeah. for the authenticity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Little known trivia, the Baccarat sniffer, also the name of a position featured in the opening scenes of Howard the Duck. Who knew? No. Uh, <laughs> are you, what? Wait, what? No, it can't be. What? <laughs> what? No. no. <laughs> oh, I wish that were true. Oh. <laughs> no, I just made it up for your entertainment. That's all. Oh, huh. man. But not, what if it were? You're just trying to get me to say something that I'm not going to say. I swore. I'm done with it. <laughs> All right. In other 1980s news, as reported by Yahoo Entertainment, Tony Basil gets her Mickey acclaim and copyright 40 years later. Wow. Did you guys know that Tony Basil was 38 years old when she, uh, when Mickey hit big in 1982? No, I think I thought she was like 20. Yeah, no, she was already super accomplished by the 19, mm-hmm. by the time the 80s rolled around. She'd already danced or choreographed for Shindig. You know, these are shows, a lot of these are before our time, but certainly we mm-hmm. know of their, yeah. uh, their legacy. Uh, Viva Las Vegas, 
which now mm-hmm. it occurs to me that was a show where ultimately Cassandra Peterson danced in. I wonder if they were oh. there at the same time. That's possible. Uh, she also worked on the Monkey's Head movie. Which uh, I, yeah. I looked that up because oh, yeah. I watched that and mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. And I was like, wait, what? She's in there? And so then I, was, I saw the bit that she was in. Yeah. And American Graffiti. She acted in Easy Rider and five easy pieces. She choreographed David Bowie's Diamond Dogs and, more curiously, the Talking Heads Once in a Lifetime music video. Same as it ever was. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. I learned so many things in this yeah. article. I mean, her age, for one, again, I always, mm-hmm. she projected herself as much younger. I mean, I guess yeah. the yeah. cheerleader's costume doesn't hurt. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but how accomplished she was before I'd ever heard of her. And yep. then I was stunned. I mean, maybe this is typical, but I was stunned that this hit, her biggest hit, mm-hmm. that she didn't already have. Like, I, I read the title and I'm like, she didn't already have the rights to it? Are you kidding me? Yeah. But no, right. it has a bit of a storied career that she didn't. Yeah. yeah. People debated who wrote it and who is responsible for it and who originally wrote it. And yeah, it's, mm-hmm. she yeah. it. And for folks who Absolutely. don't know, it's actually a cover of a 1979 song or I mean, it's a remake in a sense because she did tweak it and make it her own. But the original mm-hmm. song yeah. was yeah. called Kitty by a group named Racy. It was mm-hmm. part of our uh, secret 1980s covers years ago, I think. Yes. Years ago. The show's only been on the air. <laughs> Three years. Hey, you can say years. <laughs> it was probably like two years Actually, ago. I think, it, I think it's our third anniversary this week. Now I'm thinking about it. And I've been on the wow. show for a year in May. Yeah. It's so been a whole go. year. Yeah. So yeah, a couple, I don't know, right. a couple of seasons ago, let's say a couple of years ago, we did do an episode about and included Mickey. So um, the, the original, as I mentioned, the original song was named Kitty. So that was one of her changes. But the other thing that mo- more importantly was that she added this cheerleader chant in it, mm-hmm. which, mm-hmm. and based on, you know, uh, her experience as an actual cheerleader, it was something mm-hmm. that she always thought would make for a good song. And she had created another thing that's important that she created or is important to 1980s pop culture is she had created earlier than that. I think it was in the seventies, a street dance troupe called the lockers, ah. which they did a stated popping and locking, which, you know, is part uh-huh. of the, uh, ultimate, the various mm-hmm. dance styles that we, you know, on a larger umbrella known as hip hop mm-hmm. West coast mm-hmm. dancing was different now than East coast was evolving different came from different cultures and different sources. <laughs> but um, one of her co-founders was uh, Adolfo Quinones, Shabadoo. Ah. Yes. That's Shabadoo from Breakin. Boogaloo mm-hmm. Shrimp and Shabba. They're, they're so he was a locker with yes. Tony Basil. So that's another way that, again, she had a plated, <laughs> you know, most folks don't even appreciate that about her, but. She's got her, her hands, feet, actually everywhere. <laughs> yes. Feet, yeah. That yeah. makes same as it ever was, makes so much more sense now, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, it's, yeah. it's a take on popping and locking, yeah, right? It's, yeah. this, it's, a, it's a very jerky, kind of herky-jerky sort of yeah. kind of movement, right? Just, and absolutely. what's fantastic Tiny is, version. You know, at 78 years old, mm-hmm. if you follow her on social media, she is still dancing like she was. Uh, I was I was going to say in her twenties, but we, we've seen her dancing in her th- almost forties. <laughs> right, was, it was her yeah. still fantastic. <laughs> you know, John, John you pointed out so the cheerleader cool. outfit didn't uh, hurt when trying to look younger. That's actually her mm-hmm. one of her uh, cheerleader yeah. outfits, an actual cheerleader outfit that she wore when she was a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. I loved that song. Right, she's she's thirty eight, like still fits. Let's yes. go. It'll fit her today. Mickey. I mean, she is in great shape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she yep. looks fantastic. Yeah, my cheerleader outfit does not fit me anymore. Oh, is, John. Oh, is that yeah. the costume change you were doing? The skirt does, but yeah, oh. the rest. No? no. <laughs> Sometimes I'll just wear the skirt. Nothing else? Mm-hmm. Hey, I'll no. leave that up to you. Whatever it is in my your imagination, head, however you yeah. want it to be. That's right. I'm picturing a duck now. <laughs> yeah. I picture you fully clothed. Ball cap. <laughs> Bald cap? <That's- laughs> No, he said ball cap. Oh, ball cap. I picture myself with a bald cap and a skirt. 
You know what you look like? I'm picturing Howard the Duck character. Not the bald cap. Definitely the skirt. If you only had a bald cap and a skirt on, you'd look like a shuttlecock. Right? What did you call me? Shuttlecock. You just had to get back to birds, didn't you? Had to. I'm not saying it. It is crazy that, yeah. Well, look, you know, I guess it didn't surprise me that maybe she didn't have the copyright because mm-hmm. it's probably, and I, I didn't read the legal side of it. I'm curious and, you know, maybe I got some time mm-hmm. I'll do it because that stuff fascinates me, especially copyright in the entertainment industry. But mm-hmm. it was a cover. So already she's got, you know, she's cutting somebody else in. But then mm-hmm. the, whoever uh, actually creates the record has a right to it. Just that actual physical, we cre- helped you, you know. Mm-hmm. She had it, she added her own bits to it. So she- it was probably a lot of different rights, um, but yeah, that she'd have none of those. Yeah, I call bullshit. Yep. She it, she brought everything mm. to that song that made it mm. the song that it was. Yes, uh, yes. Right. Well, yes. well, a judge agrees with you, John, because uh, just <laughs> hear ye, hear ye. <laughs> At the end of May, <laughs> after a nearly decade long legal battle, uh, Basil had claimed she'd never profited from the single, and the United States Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit ruled that she is the sole owner of the copyright for Mickey and for word of mouth. Thank you. The judge wrote, quote, there is strong evidence that artistic control is solely with Basilata, her, her actual last name, not, right. yeah. not with the recording company or by extension, the record producer. Basilata mm-hmm. appears to have primarily wielded creative control, selecting songs and inter- instrumental musicians, devising the creative concepts of the recordings and even helping uh, the producer mix the master tapes. Yeah, John, mm-hmm. you're right. She did everything. That's right. The judge agrees. It's called the bullshit yeah. clause, and he agrees with me. She she earned it, and I'm yeah. glad she has it. What is she, is she going to, you can't really reclaim lost, who would you reclaim mm. from? Because it was spread so thinly, but yeah. going forward, right? Hey, next season of Stranger Things, she'll get featured, and she'll be in good <laughs> shape, Whoa, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, no spoilers, but there's cheerleaders in this current season, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like I want to put this on a, a repeat loop, you know, for, yeah. streaming. <laughs> for the for the pennies. so I can support her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I love this song as a, yeah. wait, what year did it come out? 82. However old I was. Yeah. 11 year old. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Definitely popular for me. And you guys, not even as huge a Weird Al fans as I am, were familiar with Ricky, oh, right? Yes. You know the Ricky parody that Weird Al did. Oh, yeah. yes. I remember that video. Yeah. I think that was, yeah. that was the one yeah. cat that you said was your favorite, right? You yeah. loved it so much. The video Absolutely. especially. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think probably the first time I realized who Weird Al was. Yeah, that was might Ricky. Have been. It was so mm-hmm. notable. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and in a bit of a, I guess a justice or karma, it turns out the original record company didn't want her to do the cheerleading thing with the song. They thought it was a bad idea. <laughs> so there you go. Silly them. Hey, and finally, <laughs> 1980s news. There is a, pra- a trailer out, not a trailer. We can call it a trailer for the sake of efficiency. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> but there's a trailer out for the upcoming Predator sequel, and the movie's called Prey. It's the new entry in the Predator franchise that's coming to Hulu this August. Uh, and here's mm-hmm. the description of the film for folks who do not know what they're going to see here. It's set in the Comanche Nation 300 years ago. Isn't that crazy? I, I just love this idea. Yes. Um, it's a story of a young woman, Nauru, I might be saying that wrong, uh, a fierce and highly skilled warrior. She's been raised in the shadow of some of the most legendary hunters whom, who roam the Great Plains. So when danger threatens her camp, she sets out to protect her people. The prey she stalks and ultimately confronts turns out to be a highly evolved alien predator with a technically advanced arsenal, resulting in a vicious and terrifying showdown, showdown between the two adversaries. Mm-hmm. And that's what you see in the trailer. I didn't know that mm-hmm. they were doing this. I had heard Neither. Prey was coming. I, I lost interest because the last Predator reboot we got was terrible. 
Okay. Yawn. Yeah. Right. Alien versus Predator was terrible. Mm. Um, you know, so it's like 50-50 whether the, uh, these films the, the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the franchise have been good or not. And frankly, this one might be terrible too. We just don't know yet. But, <laughs> yeah. but, but it's a fresh take yeah. because all we've ever seen is like, okay, these are the Predator and we know that they're, they're, they're big game hunters or small mm-hmm. game hunters or whatever. They're, they're trophy hunters. They, and they go, and we learned that they go from system to system and planet to mm-hmm. planet and franchise to franchise, hunting <laughs> aliens from alien. And, <laughs> and so they've already been to earth. We saw them fighting in predator mm-hmm. when that was character was introduced. And so uh-huh. now to go, I guess, I guess it's a prequel, although for the yeah. predator, it could be a sequel depending on if he's a time traveler. It doesn't matter. Point hey. is, yeah. he's well yeah. before <laughs> the events on Earth that took place mm-hmm. on Predator. And mm-hmm. as tough a time as we had with shotguns and machine guns, I don't know how they're going to handle with with bows and arrows and stuff. But oh my gosh, I mean, it's not over. It's, it's, it's not a ten minute movie, so I'm guessing that'll last a little while. But I'm intrigued <laughs> to see what they do with it. So the film is being brought to us by Dan Attractenberg, who also did a Ten Cloverfield Lane, which I actually like. Mm-hmm. No spoilers, but it gets pretty crazy by the end of it. But the film is a good yep. film. Huh. Um, but the, it, to your point, John, since the film is set in 1719, uh, Trachtenberg had said it was it's tricky to figure out a way to present a predator that's 300 years less advanced. Mm-hmm. So he's not a time traveler. 300 less mm-hmm. years less advanced okay, good. than the good. one we know uh, from the previous films. Mm-hmm. And, and yet, uh, you know, having to balance it against the humans that he's going to face off with. But he did caution uh, saying that Predator fans don't need to worry because they'll see some familiar gadget, some familiar weapons, but mm-hmm. also a lot of new things. So is this Predator was supposed to have arrived 300 years ago and then just hung out? <laughs> or did, did, did it leave and come back just waiting. to meet Arnold? Well, like <laughs> in the trailer, you see some distortion and light in the clouds, as if the ship is just arriving. Maybe yeah. okay. So, I, but you're wondering, what? like, is it stick around 300 years and then and then fight with Arnold later? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> take, he took a nap. I'm trying yeah, to remember the beginning yeah, of Predator. Hibernated. I, I feel like they also have a similar, like he just arrived kind of arrival. Thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So maybe there's some travel. Uh, yeah. Well, okay. And if the predators well, have evolved between right. prey and the original predator, yes. well, you would have just stayed on Earth because yeah. you would not have gotten those cool new gadgets unless they, you know, they. Yes. They Good postmated point. them to you or something on Earth. I thought it was cool that Trachtenberg also said he wanted to get out of the bodybuilder wrestler thing, you know, which is one of the reasons he mm. said it the way mm-hmm. he did. So, because in the first film, it's, I mean, it's notorious for having so much, you know, be, being, uh, you know, representing machismo. And maybe we talked about, we talked about machismo films. Mm-hmm. Just that one handshake that Carl Weathers and Arnold do, <laughs> the oiled <laughs> biceps, they're flexing while they're greeting one another. I ain't got time to bleed. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> So that's kind of cool, but yeah. Uh, otherwise, it did feel like it, the pace of it may be similar to the original Predator, which I hope it's not. I mean, in a sense, a break a, being a fresh take in every way would be cool. And this, you know, mixing of sort of genres or times is helps. Mm-hmm. This is pretty cool. A press release notes that Prey will be available on Hulu entirely in Comanche as a language option. Mm-hmm. Really, mm-hmm. that's cool. Yeah. It is cool. Or with Comanche subtitles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not, what's not known. And I, I think what happened is I think in the trailer, you see they're speaking English and they're not doing it in that yeah. uh, cliche way that, uh, and somewhat, you know, maybe racist ways we've done in the past where the way Native Americans are represented to speak. They're mm-hmm. just speaking in, in English. And um, mm-hmm. right. so I think what I had also seen was the actors probably came back and dubbed themselves in Comanche or someone dubbed okay. them in Comanche. Mm. It's not yeah, like they yeah. recorded the film, you know, simultaneously in both languages. 
Right. Uh, that would not be the first time something like that's been done. There was, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the name of the yeah. series, but there, there's a pseudo comedy drama uh, series about Vikings. Oh, okay. And they dual record scenes, both in English and in what Nordic or whatever. Okay. And they play it in different parts of the world. They do different edits. So if they did that here, I think that would be a great nod to indigenous peoples to go, yeah. hey, look, we're using these people, but you're going to see it in your native language if you want. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, um, nice. That's, I hadn't heard that. That's the most interesting thing I've heard about this so far. And yeah. I was already excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it would be, if it, if it is, if it isn't just a bad dub of it, I would be checking it out like that. I don't, mm-hmm. I, whenever I watch yeah. films that are filmed in another language, I do, I'd rather, you hear the emotion, the passion, et cetera, mm-hmm. come out in their mm-hmm. true, you know, yeah. their native tongue. Mm-hmm. All right. That was 1980s news. Hey, since you are listening to our show, you love it. It's a new tact. I'm also trying to be more upbeat because John is a very upbeat guy. I'm trying to just learn from John yeah. by his from his example. But you oh, gotta be you. That's too. sweet. No, I can't be me. I gotta be gotta better than be me. me. People don't like me. Do you remember that story John told us earlier? <laughs> that was one person, and she was related to me. So I don't know if that's statistically actually registered. It wasn't even you. It was, no, it was you right. being somebody yeah. else. Yeah. Right. If you like the show. Oh my God, there it is. Please rate review. Let's see the face John makes. He doesn't like when I do it either. I'm hoping I sound like some guy you knew years ago that he just was a real asshole who owes you an apology. I I, I, and that's what it is. John. It's just triggering. I don't know where you're getting that. I don't know what my, I, I'm resting. I hate Will face or something. I don't it's know either it that or John doesn't like it because I'm being so self-indulgent and I am. Yes. And yes, it's selfish. Or is he annoyed because I'm laughing too much? (laughs) (laughs) We all have mental issues except for John. He's the only one who's healthy. (laughs) And now I have a complex about that because I feel alone. All right. Now now that we all have something to deal with. (laughs) Generally the show doesn't sound like this. So rate and review it. Share an episode. <laughs> Psst, the show always sounds like this. Oh, no. <laughs> and you know, I'll do it. Do one of those free things that helps other folks find out about it. I'm being serious here. That actually does help. Mm-hmm. It does. You know yeah. that mm-hmm. concept that every vote counts. You know, no matter how you feel insignificant in this world, especially these days. That's not upbeat, Will. That's not <laughs> upbeat. I can't help it. Damn it, Cat! You should just do the whole show. I'll be the one laughing in the background. If Will can't be upbeat about it, here's the reality of it. Yep. Here it is. Content creation, quality content creation especially, mm-hmm. but in reality, any content creation that's regular mm-hmm. is work. It is mm-hmm. diligent, continuous, dedicated effort. Mm-hmm. So if you're a listener of a show or you're a viewer of a YouTube channel or you enjoy someone's music that isn't, you know, that isn't already a superstar, first A, they should not feel bad saying, please help us out with a dollar or two because that's okay. Now you're paying them three cents an hour. Woo. Right. But secondarily, <laughs> as a consumer of that content, if you want that stuff, you speak with those dollars. You go, Hey, mm-hmm. you get a dollar a month because I love what you're doing. And if enough people do that, it tells that content creator, I am doing something right. Look at everybody that's behind me. So mm-hmm. you shouldn't feel bad about asking and everyone should feel great about contributing. If it's something they love. That's mm-hmm. what I did. Well spoken. And, and yes, appreciate that. Okay. Well, hey, in a well moment. Said. In a moment, we're going to be right back with our guest today when you get to hear our Facebook Live interview, our recent Facebook Live interview. Mm -hmm. And once again, follow us on Facebook at 1980s Now to find out our next one is coming up in just a couple of weeks. 
Mm-hmm. We'll be back in just a moment with our guest, Mark Holton. Special thanks to Isle 9 for providing that clip of their new track, Beautiful Airwaves. To hear more of their 80s-inspired synthwave music, find Isle 9, that's A-I-S-L-E, and the number 9, on any social media platform and all of the music platforms as well. Please check out their music, Isle 9. And just a brief FYI, as you listen to our recent Facebook Live interview with Mark Holton, we had a whole mess of technical difficulties trying to get us uh, together on Facebook Live. I blame them on technology. Mark was doing the right thing. We were doing the right thing. I won't name the platform that I think was creating the issue for fear of being completely uh, removed from them. But you know who I'm talking about. Hey, without further ado, check out our Facebook Live interview with Mark Holton. All right. Hey. Oh, gosh. Okay. Hey, I wanted to bring out our guest here. I'm not going to delay. Our guest, is, as, as you know, he made his uh, his debut on, on film and certainly into our lives and our homes, into the pop culture zeitgeist with his appearance in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. He was Francis. The man you love to hate or hate to love. I say man, but that's, you know, he's really a child man. We could talk about that. Uh, but uh, kicked off a Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And then from there, he went on to star in a number of films, including the Teen Wolf films that we love, uh, Leprechaun. He started off the franchise and recently revisited the franchise. Uh, appeared on a number of different television shows as well. Seinfeld, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. He was in a league of our own. One of my friends that knew we were going to talk to him was like, oh my God, he's in a league of our own. Okay. He's every role he's in, of course, is memorable, quotable. Uh, please welcome to the show, Mark Holton. Hey, Mark. That it? Yes, that's it. We did it. Yes. That should be the whole show. Oh, my goodness. It should be. It should be. It's too bad we don't have it. Yeah, and we only had Mark for 30 minutes. So thanks, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. So as Mark and I were talking earlier, before anybody was, was in here, I think we can make an argument that uh, Francis is the star of uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, the hero of it, because he had us, if he didn't steal that bike, Pee-wee would not have had an adventure. Right. I mean, let's face it. Well, that you, you could say that. Yes. Uh, every hero, every mm-hmm. hero yep. needs a villain. Yes. So sure. it, it's, it's, it's all teamwork. Yeah. Yes. So. But you're right. I mean, uh, what would that movie have been without Francis? Yeah. Who knows? Uh, that's that's a, that's a wide open question. Yeah. So, you know, introducing or even talking about Francis, I said, you know, the man that we love to hate. What is Francis? Did, you, did they ever even articulate to you? Are you a, a childlike <clears throat> adult or you're a child who's just physically larger than most children? The, the only uh, explanation was he is the only other character that is on Pee-wee's childlike level. Mm. And uh, that's the way they wrote it, and that's the way it came out. And uh, I guess everybody else appears as adults in Pee-wee's world except for Francis. Yeah. <laughs> I see uh, Nathan writes here that uh, Pee-wee was too smug anyway. All right, he had to get taken down a peg, yeah. Uh, Carly says, hello, Mark. Love your work. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, Megan says, hello. Hey, hey, Mark. Nice to have you here. Tons of accolades. 
So when you audition for Pee Wee Herman, um, is it the same? Is, is the what was the audition again? Is that the same direction you're given? You're a child like because because you, you're not that you can't possibly be that familiar. I think with Paul Rubens or Pee Wee at that point, he wasn't as big as he ultimately is following this film. Well, I had, I had seen uh, I had seen the, the Pee Wee character show up on late night television a couple of times. That was it. And uh, I must have had an adequate uh, description from the breakdown of, of the scene. And it's, it's pretty much uh, we did the uh, I know you are, but what am I scene. <laughs> when I read it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was ready to go in and then go through the callback process and everything and say, no, no. You are going right in front of the director and the producers and the writers. And by the way, you'll be reading with Paul. Nice. Okay. <laughs> so um, it was uh, the most crowded room for an audition I had ever been in. And I went in and we, uh, we went through the scene and everybody nodded and thanked me for coming in. And uh, in very short order, uh, they had made a deal with my agent. Wow. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Good. I'm sorry. No. Go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, that's unheard of, right? I mean, that sort of thing, especially considering that you hadn't had, you hadn't appeared in a film yet, I don't think, right? Um, I, I think I had, had done some television and maybe television. A, another film or two, but, uh, but not much, no. Okay. Yeah. And it, it's surprising to me considering the amount of, the number of groundlings that were in that production. And I think yeah. this is to your credit uh, that, you know, writing or preparing on the show, you know, Phil Hartman, Jan Hooks, uh, Cassandra Peterson, Paul Rubens, of course, that your part wasn't played by a groundling. I think that's a testament to your, you know, the, uh, certainly the audition that you gave them. Well, they must've not had any uh, fat guys that <laughs> fit the bill in the groundlings. I don't know, <laughs> but um, uh I, I, you know, I'm just glad, glad things worked out the way they did, of yep. course, uh, who wouldn't be. Um, but everybody that I, I met and worked with that was a groundling, I always, I, in fact, uh, after that movie, I went and watched groundling shows to see what they were doing uh, with improvisation. And um, I, I just, uh, I never had the, the time or, um, you know, to, at that point to invest uh, in, in the groundings at that point, I, I, I probably did, but I talked myself out of it because yeah. it would have been a lot of fun. I was doing uh, improvisational comedy with, with other groups uh, around uh, the San Fernando Valley, but uh, they were nowhere at uh, the level of the groundlings. Okay. Certainly. Well, certainly again, just, just based on your performance in that film alone, it seemed like you had an aptitude for it. Certainly. Um, let's see. Uh, Barbara says you're the you are the best in that movie. I love the scene where you come around the corner and want Pee Wee's bike. Dun dun dun. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, uh, and look, Barbara, look what I've got, Barbara. You'll be sorry. Yeah, that's right. You'll be sorry, Barbara. You got to see where Mark's coming next so you can get yours too. Uh, because I great. Actually, I had somebody ask me, uh, and this is for you, Barbara, as well. <laughs> Uh, they said, how did you develop the walk? And I said, walk? What walk? Oh, you know, when you come walking up to Pee Wee. Yeah. And I thought, I had to think about it. I, it never occurred to me. That's just the way Francis walked in my mind, I guess. And it huh. came out. 
but uh, you know, I, I didn't uh, go to any special walk classes or whatever to, to develop the Francis yeah. walk. <laughs> but he did have that arrogant little shit walk, didn't yeah. he? Bob? <laughs> And is that, did you already, was Francis pretty well fleshed out or came to you even at the audition? Because yeah, you assume a different posture and everything in that, in that little, oh, yeah. uh, whatever that is, jumpsuiters. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, uh, Francis was, uh, was graven in stone. I just had to bring him into life. Yeah. Um, you know, and there were, uh, other flashback scenes that I don't know if there was, uh, maybe a director's cut that had them, but, um, you know, Francis would pop up in, in a dream here and a dream there and a, and a flashback. And, uh, and, you know, and it was, it was just, you know, one, one day I'm dressed up like the devil with fire jumping in front mm-hmm. of me, you know, like, oh, no, yeah. uh, the whole thing, you know, and it, it was just, it was a hoot and a half. And, and another day I was dressed uh, as a circus bear on a bicycle on a tightrope and, and uh, Pee Wee was walking, you know, down the tightrope and all of a sudden this bear comes across with on his bike and the bear takes his head off and uh and it's francis <laughs> but uh <laughs> angela writes good and evil keeps everything in balance yeah all right. oh, it, was, it was a great script there wasn't uh you know there wasn't a, it was it was it was ready to go yeah. when i when i came on the scene yeah great film and, and still holds up, still a joy. It's something that I've, one of those things that I've been happy to be, and it was eager to be able to, to want to share it with my kids. Like soon, and, and it's a film that you could jump in at almost any age, you know, uh, nothing scandalous about it. It gets a little scary at times, but uh, in a sort of fun way that I think kids like. Uh, but yeah. um, but I, I saw it when I was an older teen and I, I loved it then. So, yeah. Well, I had some parents, uh, they were worried about uh, Large Marge. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. And I thought, really? I mean, it's a kind of a, just a quick cartoon gag. Yeah. But, uh, you know, on second thought, it was, you know, <laughs> yeah. the audience did, did go, wow. <laughs> yes. Well, it comes out of nowhere. That's the thing about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, let's see, Emmanuel wants to know. Do you know the Hamilton College Fighting Song? Huh. So is this your, is this your alma mater? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I don't. What is, what, are you, what is he referring to? I don't Hamilton. know. Hamilton uh, College, is that, is that a... Hmm. It's not a was that, that, that the college uh, from Team Wolf 2, perhaps? That, yeah, that's what I was just thinking. Yeah, I wonder, you know. Is that the college in Team Wolf 2? I, I have no idea, but yeah. Manuel, Manuel. Yeah. Uh, I just tried to do a quick Google and it's not coming up right away. So I don't know either. Um, but speaking of Teen Wolf, let's talk about Teen Wolf 1. I mean, you know, it seems like uh, Pee Wee and Teen Wolf, if I got this right here, they seem to come out around the same time. Uh, so my guess is you're not booking one off of the others. This is just, uh, again, you just uh, yeah. auditioned for a role and. Yeah, I, 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 you know, when you look at release dates, that doesn't really tell the full picture. Um, you know, what were, what, when were they shot? And yeah. unfortunately, that's not something that I just uh, kept in chronological order yeah, sure. for the last uh, umpteen years. Yeah. And uh, so I, I really couldn't tell you. I'm, I mean, I'm sure you could be found somewhere uh, if, if somebody really wanted to, to, to dig down and, 
and uh, and get get the skinny on that. But uh, no, it's it, it came out. I'm pretty sure the same summer uh, because uh, uh, Back to the Future. I want to say I had done Teen Wolf when I when I did Pee Wee's Big Adventure because Back to the Future uh, they waited to uh, to launch uh, Teen Wolf uh, the same summer that Back to the Future came out. Hmm. So you had the number one film in the country, uh, which was uh, <clears throat> Back to the Future, of course, and you right. had Pee Big, uh, Big Adventure, and then uh, Teen Wolf uh, kind of riding the coattails of. Uh, Michael J. Fox uh, being uh, in the number one picture or whatever, uh, right. you know, uh, came in at uh, around third. I don't know if that was for one week or a month or overall or whatever, but uh, I, I was, <clears throat> I thought, wow, that's, that's, that's pretty cool yeah. at the time, you know? Yeah. 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 I, th- I thought I had a note here, uh, but says so what you're saying. Yeah. One time Michael J. Fox had the both the, yeah, the top films uh, within a couple, just a few weeks of each other. Um, of course, your character, uh, some of the pivotal, you know, uh, moments or, or there are the, sh- the, the shots that your, your character is able to make for the Beavers to keep them in the game. Uh, did you have any experience playing basketball prior to Teen Wolf? Outside of a, a, a driveway and, and shooting at a hoop, you know, yeah. mounted on a garage. Right. No. <laughs> <You know>? no. <laughs> or gym class or, you know, something like that. But no, I mean, I, man, I couldn't play my way out of a wet paper sack. Yeah. Uh, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was a train wreck or whatever, but, uh, you know, when you're out there for 12 or 18 hours running the back and forth up and down that court, you start picking up a little bit here and there. Yeah. Uh, but, but still, you know, I, I, uh, you know, it was, it was all uh, the, ma- the magic of the, the movie magic, except for one shot. Yeah. And, uh, I, I can't tell you if it's the sh- the shot directly after the uh, the bad guy uh, Mick right. said, "Shoot it, fat boy." Yeah, and I believe I believe it was that shot. It might have been that, or it might have been a hook later on. Uh, but of course, the camera wasn't on the bats the, the hoop. <laughs> right. It, of course, it was on me throwing the ball. Yeah, <clears throat> and and. Um, and damn if the thing didn't just swish, go right in. <laughs> so in the editing, when it cuts back to my reaction, yes, uh, that was real. Yep. No one on that court was more surprised mm-hmm. that damn thing went in than me. Yeah. So uh, I think that is after shoot at Fat Boy because I remember I didn't know you know obviously I didn't know that it was real that but you do that take where yeah you're surprised. But then you stay in character and you look towards, I think it's Mick and you kind of give him like a, Oh, I shot it. <laughs> you know, like whatever I'll show you. Uh, so yeah. Wow. Um, oh, we got a peewee question here. Carly wants to know that we think we'll ever see Francis again. Oh, you know, there's so much, everything old is new again, as you know, Mark, right? I mean, I, I think you might see a, a different Francis, but uh, you won't see yeah. me as Francis again. I, I doubt it. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll never say never, uh, yeah. but, uh, you know, um, who knows, you know, yeah. it's, uh, that's, that's not, a, I'm, that's, that's beyond my pay grade. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, 
Well, you might have. I wonder, did you think the same thing about Leprechaun? You know, you're in the early 90s, you're, in, you're kicking off the Leprechaun franchise and they don't make another film that's part of that series until, what, the last few years? And lo and behold, you're back. Well, I had pretty much written that off. Uh, yeah. I think they did six um, after the original and none of them had anything to do with the original storyline. Or I don't know that any of them had anything to do with any other storyline. Um, they were just, you know, a leprechaun, you know, killing people in space or in the hood or, or whatever. Uh, so no, no, I, I, I thought, no, that's, that's a dead issue. You know, it, it's not even worth thinking about. And then out of the blue, uh, bang. And I thought, what is this? Uh, no way. But I read the script and, uh, and actually liked it. And they had mentioned that they were going to be shooting, uh, I believe it was in the month of January. And this, is, this uh, film company is based out of Toronto. So I'm going, now, wait a minute. You're going to shoot a, a <laughs> chronological uh, sequence to the first one that happens 25 years later. And you're going to do it basically in the same area in a frozen tundra. How is this going to work? Well, unbeknownst to me, the, uh, the owner of uh, Blue Ice uh, Films uh, also owned a, uh, a film company in Cape Town, South Africa, called Out of Africa. Hmm. Uh, good name. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I, I, they finally said, uh, have you ever been to South Africa? And I went, no, never, never been on the continent. This is well, we're going that's where we're going to be filming. And I thought, wow, okay, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was, that was quite an experience. Uh, you know, they, they had, uh, they had, you know, re rebuilt the, the house. Mm. Uh, and in, instead of making it look like they blew it up uh, in South Africa, they just blow it up. They really blow it up. <laughs> oh yeah. At night. So, uh, when you uh, when you see what's left of that house at the end, uh, <laughs> um, it was um, it was it was quite something to, to see that big fireball, you know, in the earth shake. Yeah. And then uh, I'll tell you a funny story about that. I had on my uh, don't want to ruin the film for anybody, but I had on my ghost Aussie outfit mm. and uh, and a robe over it. Um, but you know this this horrible face. And, you know, going all the way down into here, my hands are done. And, uh, you know, the, 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 in uh, South Africa, they didn't call them uh, robes. They called them your gown. Mm. You have your gown. Okay. You have my, what? Oh, a robe. Yeah, I need that. It's kind of cold. So I, I, I walked onto that set after they had just blown the hell out of it. Stuff's burning. And there's this line of firemen. And they all had their back to me, and I'm trying to walk around them to see where I'll be standing before everything, you know, goes right. gets put out uh, to do uh, a, 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 you know, a, a scene. And um, one guy turns around and, and looks at me, and he he elbows the guy next to him, and it was just like this chain reaction to where all these firemen, of course, they didn't know anything about the film. They thought, oh my God, you know, was this guy? Too close to the explosion. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so 
Well, there, you know, there was, there was, uh, there's always, you know, stuff like that happening in the background, you know. Nathan points out every, this is, where's your thing? Oh, here we go. Every leprechaun was a different character, I believe. The, the leprechaun? Hmm. Not sure what you mean there. I, well, yeah, I, I, I think what he, he meant, he meant to say was, uh, it, it was the only thing they had in common was the single character of, of the leprechaun. Mm. Uh, but, uh, uh, that, that's that's the only thing I can think of. That yeah. you meant. Yeah. And in the original film, you you know you uh, I don't have to tell you you worked with a, a I believe a pre Friends Jennifer Aniston, right? I mean, did she yeah. uh, any signs of uh, I guess what she would possibly become? I mean, what she would ultimately become? Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, and uh, you know Mark Jones saw that in her. And the film company kept pushing someone else. And he goes, no, I want, I want Jennifer Anderson. It, it can only be her. And finally they, you know, they bugged him. He says, okay, bring the other girl in. Hmm. So I believe they, they ended up taking Jennifer in front of, I, I don't know how, I, you know, it was just like, okay, we got, we got the point now. Yeah, this is, this is, she's perfect. So, um, uh, you know, Jennifer, I think it was her first film. And uh, she was a total trooper and funny, bright, all the things that she would need uh, in short order to start uh, climbing the ladder. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I told her, I said, you know, you're going places. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what it would be. I don't know if it, I didn't know if it would be Saturday Night Live or yeah. it was going to be motion pictures or, or what it was going to be. But, uh, but she certainly just uh, absolutely, um, was uh you know just just took off and and uh, has become a, a huge star yeah so yeah it looks like a, based on the release date of leprechaun i think frenzy premiered the year after the fall after leprechaun came out so um we got a question here uh from oh emmanuel emmanuel clarified hamilton is the song is from teen wolf 2 but he would like to know what it was like working with both jason bateman and michael j fox Great. Um, I uh, work, working with with Michael J. Fox, of course, was a little bit different. My role wasn't quite as as developed. I was pretty much written as uh, you know as the fat kid that uh, takes a bite off a Twinkie or whatever. And uh, <clears throat> they uh, they had a little more leeway with the, with the script or whatever. And uh, when they would run into uh, what if we did this situation. Um, you know, um, maybe somebody would say, well, what if Chubby did it? Hmm. Uh, and, uh, and then Mike was like on board with it. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so that role actually grew as we shot, um, you know, to what it, it finally ended up becoming. And then Jason, of course, um, you know, it, it was, it was, it was the same character with, with just, uh, you know, Scott's. Uh, cousin, right? What? And, and I think the only other uh, cast member to make it over was uh, James Hampton. God rest his soul. Beautiful guy, wonderful actor. Um, so uh, you know that was that was a, a whole other situation. You know, I was uh, uh, you know when 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 I did the part two or whatever, they had 
pretty much uh, just, you know, let, let uh, Chubby, uh, you know, do what he wanted to do pretty much, you know, <laughs> he had him fencing and, and riding around in a Corvette and, and, uh, you know, just, just, you know, doing some crazy stuff. And it, it was, it was a whole lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of fun. It's so encouraging to see, uh, hear that it was fun as fun making these film or that film, certainly, uh, that we, you know, it's fun for us to watch it. It would be, it would be terrible to find that it was a nightmare to make that film. That's like, we love watching Oh, there it. were nightmares. There were oh, yeah. nightmares, you know, but, uh, yeah, but that wasn't one of them. That was, uh, those are, that's all just, you know, Teen Wolf, Teen Wolf 2, fond memories all the way around. Yeah. Oh, good. Uh, we got a, a question here from Sam. Sam wants to know, do you remember guesting on Superboy playing Johnny Casanova? Sam, if it wasn't for Johnny Casanova and the man that wrote that episode, Leprechaun, I would not have been in Leprechaun. So I, I guess Mark Jones, the director of Leprechaun, had seen me in something. I don't know if it was Pee-wee's Big Adventure, probably. And he pretty much rolled the, uh, the role for me and said, you've got to get Mark Holton to do this, this, this crazy role. And they said, okay. And I hadn't met Mark Jones, uh, didn't know who he was. Uh, and all of a sudden, you know, I showed up in, in Florida uh, at, at Universal and uh, met him and found out, you know, he, he wrote the role for me. And, and I thought, wow, man, you know, thanks a lot. And we, we of course, you know, hit it off. And uh, so when he wrote uh, Leprechaun, he pretty much, uh, you know, it, it was one of those uh, situations to where uh, I have a, uh, a breakdown from casting. Lisa London did the casting and uh, it, it was uh, the roles laid out. And uh, right next to my name, it says uh, uh, Mark's friend <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. And I thought, well... <laughs> You know, I, I guess I had that one, you know, in the bag before I ever showed up for the audition. <laughs> they, they had me, yeah, but, but, but they had me, you know, go through the whole thing and bring in the, uh, the, the, the little boy and, and we did those scenes and those, those, uh, those audition tapes are, are out there somewhere. Oh, is that uh, right? They're, they're in the vault. Oh. The vault. Uh, it, it would be great to, to, you know, for someone you know, that has them. And I know <laughs> to, uh, to bring them to the light of day. Oh, all right. Yeah. Hashtag Holton cut, release the Holton cut or whatever. <laughs> Holton audition. Uh, Megan wants to know um, if you had to choose, which role was most memorable for you? Who, who wants role? to know this? Megan. Megan. Okay. Hi, Megan. Which role was, the most difficult? Memorable. Oh, memorable. Memorable. Um, that would have to be a league of their own. Uh, oh. and, uh, the older Stillwell would, would be the most memorable. Um, just uh, simply uh, because of, uh, 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 you know, being part of that, filming it uh, in the Baseball Hall of Fame mm. with a director that's a baseball crazy woman <laughs> and, and loved it. And, uh, and it was, it was, it was part of, of baseball history that, that needed to be told. And it, it's something that, uh, will always, uh, be dear to my heart. Yeah. So legal their own. 
So, and so many, so many wonderful performers in there. Goodness gracious. Um, when you, I guess it probably didn't matter too much that you were, sh how you shot it. If you shot your stuff versus when they, yeah, it doesn't matter. There wasn't any continuity, continuity necessary between you, the, 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 the young character, the young actor who played you. He's too young to, you know, so you know how it is. Sometimes they cast these actors. They want something, some kind of mannerisms to be consistent. So it's like, uh, yeah, that's an older version of that character. But I think in yeah. that. Well, you know, he, he, um, he, he does, uh, does that too, uh, you know, once, uh, when he, when he runs into Dottie, you know, he says, remember, yes. And so she knew exactly who it was. It was a little bastard that ran yeah. up and down, you know, and tormented right. them for, <laughs> you know, the, for the duration of world war two. Yeah. So. I think that's coming back as a series now, right? Soon to be a series, I think. You know, a whole new cast, whole new story uh, take on it. But, um, yeah. Uh, um, I just, I, you know, uh, thanks for mentioning that. Nobody's yeah. mentioned it to me. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's, uh, they're, they're, you know, I, I hope it's successful. Uh -huh. uh, because, um, you know, that film, when it's, when it's time for baseball season, when it's time for the, the, the Hall of Fame, uh, and it's America's pastime, you know, people want to get that out and reminisce and watch that and, yeah. and, and show it to their kids. Yes. And, uh, and so it, it, it's always, uh, you know, nice to hear, you know, when, when someone, uh, liked that film, I don't, I've never run into anybody that didn't just love it. Yeah. And, and I certainly love it. Yeah. And Megan writes back here saying one of my favorite movies, uh, League of Their Own. It's awesome that it's also your favorite. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's something that, you know, talking about sharing stuff with my kids, this, I have two daughters. And so this is a, it was a great film to share with them that, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think in this day and age, anybody would have this reaction, but to see my girls look, watch a film like that and think, wait, women could play sports and do baseball too. You know, it's not like we're telling them at home, they can't, but you know, it's still, you know, yeah. still out there, this kind of idea that, uh, there's limitations maybe. And so those kinds of things just broaden their perspective. Well, there, there is a, um, a book in the works. And, and I talked with the uh, author that's, it's, I don't know when it's going to come out, maybe a year and a half, a year or whatever. But uh, one of the questions that was asked of me when I was interviewed was, do you consider that to be a chick flick? Oh. And I went, a chick flick? And, you know, I, it, it was, it would like stun me, the question. And, uh, she goes, Oh, you know, like, uh, you know, you have guy flicks and, and you have chick flicks. And I thought, no, you know, th this isn't, <laughs> I've, I've never even thought yeah. of it as chick flick. And, and here, you know, you're a father with girls, you know, and yeah. it's obviously like, uh, you know, it, you know, Oh, I go, I want you to sit down and watch a chick flick. Yeah. No. <laughs> This this is for everybody, you know, and little giants, you know, uh, it, during football season, mm -hmm. you know, you have uh, you. It's it's a football film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's one of the great sports films, certainly. Uh, oh, Nathan points out that it was filmed in his hometown of Evansville, Indiana. Uh, you know what? I I I loved uh, Evansville, Indiana. The first time I was in Evansville, Indiana was years before that. I did dinner theater. Hmm. in Evansville, Indiana, and loved it because it was a, a nice hotel. And, 
Uh, it was it was non-union. It, it was a chance to sleep on a real bed, and uh, and the uh, the buffet was really good. So I loved it when we went to Evansville to do a play, and loved it when I went to to Evansville. Um, I, I didn't shoot in Evansville, obviously, but I did go to Evansville uh, to meet with Penny mm, uh, okay. before before shooting in in uh, in. Uh, in, uh, what, Cooper, uh, Cooper 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 yeah. um, oh, Carly has another question about a Mark Jones film saying, do you, do you enjoy, this is Carly. Do you enjoy playing in uh, Mark Jones's other movie, Rumpelstiltskin? I need to go back and see Rumpelstiltskin. Um, I, I, I enjoyed it, uh, you know, from, from an actor standpoint, except they had me in a rig that, pretty much cut off my oxygen. Oh. Uh, and it, it uh, I don't know if something had slipped or whatever, but it, it kind of, you know, was digging into my diaphragm and uh, I didn't pass out or anything, but I had to, you know, sit in an ambulance and, and breathe a little uh, oxygen for a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, other than that, yeah, I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> Being deprived of oxygen, but no, otherwise good. Yeah. Mm. Uh, let's see here. Um, Megan reminds us there's no crying in baseball, of course. Um, <laughs> oh, I see. I missed a couple of things really here. Uh, classic scene in Pee-wee's when you chew the gum Pee-wee gave you. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I love how you say Francis. Mm. Oh, well, people ask me about, about the, uh, the black stuff that come, comes out of, uh, Francis's mouth. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think uh, Pee-wee offers the stick to uh, to uh, Mr. Buxton and to me. Right. And uh, it's supposed to be either uh, spearmint or fruit. Well, the stuff that I had in my mouth was sludge from the special effects department and tasted horrible. Oh. So it was neither spearmint nor fruit. It was sludge. Mm. Toxic sludge. That's probably what's wrong with me right now. <laughs> it could have been chocolate syrup. Couldn't they give you something at least edible? Ugh. Well, they it, they 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 came up with concoction, and I did my uh, my duty and, and uh, loaded up my mouth and let it drool out. And, and uh, of course, you know it's <laughs> it's pretty thick, so yeah. they were um, they'd have to to scrub it off, which took off the makeup. And then, you know, reapply the makeup in that area. Uh, and I, I think I did two or three takes. I don't know. Not right. many. But, uh, you know, once was enough. Right. <laughs> in in the early 2000s, you did a very different film, Gacy, playing, you know, the uh, whew, notorious serial killer, uh, John Wayne Gacy. Uh, hmm. <laughs> what is there to say about that? Uh what is it like? I suppose many of the roles that you've done are, you know, these uh, certainly been in a lot of co comedic films and some heartwarming films and Leprechaun is a comedy sort of horror. What is it like to embody a very different character than you're used to playing this? Um, well, it's, it's, uh, you know, that's, that's not a pleasant part of uh, acting is, is when you're, you're playing somebody that's, it's not just a, a fun villain Yep. but a, a, a detestable maggot. Yeah. 
uh, and uh, I was familiar with uh, the story because, you know, in real time, I was watching it on the evening news, uh, every, you know, mm. the papers, magazines, time, Newsweek, things like that. So as the, the, uh, the horror story unfolded, you know, uh, I pretty much had a really uh, a good idea of who this guy was and, uh, and, and what he had done. So uh, that's that uh, the, the prep for the for the for the movie actually happened in, in real time. So when when it came time to to do the movie, uh, I didn't have the luxury of, uh, you know, going and, and, and hanging out and, and seeing this and that and the other and talking with the police and blah, 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 blah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't have that luxury, but I didn't really need it. And, and if it's not on the written page uh, and, and it's not uh, a place where you can put yourself already. Yeah. Um, I, I think I, I, you know, it, what, what happened is, is what happened, what, what came out on film and uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm happy with the performance, uh, but, it, but it was, it was tough. I had, uh, problems. The only problems that I've ever had with anybody, uh, ever in, uh, motion pictures or television and, uh, mm. with the director and I'm not going to go into it because, sure. uh, you know, he, uh, he contacted me after I went off on him, uh, and, uh, and pretty much laid out, uh, you know, my grievances or whatever in front of the world and got a, got, he contacted me and, and he, uh, you know, he said, uh, you know, I had no idea I was, you know, that much of an asshole back then. Mm. And I said, I just fired back water under the bridge and we'll leave it at that. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it, it was, uh, I had two young sons. So I was going home to these baby boys, uh, every night uh, you know, after the rap and everything. And, uh, the, the only way I could describe it accurately was, you know, when I got in my car and started home, it felt like I needed to scrub my mm. brain out with a toilet brush. Right. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> I can imagine. Yeah. Well, I wish I planned on this uh, a little bit better. I thought we should wrap up since it's been uh, over a half hour now. And I'm ending it on Gacy. What did I do wrong? I screwed this up. Okay, let's uh, let's, let's throw something else in there. Uh, oh, that's fine. Do you get to, do you ever have folks quoting lines of your films back to you? Oh yeah, uh, I I think uh, you know you'll you'll be sorry, uh, Pee Wee, or and and of course I know you are. But what am I? Uh, and and you know the emphasis on Francis. Mm -hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of lines. Uh, I love, uh, Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo. Huh? Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo. Yeah. I, I, I got, I got that one on the street before I even got a chance to see the film because I didn't <laughs> the big, uh, hoopla premiere. Yeah. Uh, and a guy just pulled over and, and rolled his window down and pointed out the window and went, Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo. Hey man, you were cool. And I thought, what? Oh, that was my line from, uh, so, you know, it was, it was a mystery for, for decades. Yeah. Why, why did that single line, uh, impact people? Yeah. Why did it make them, you know, laugh so hard? And, uh, I mean, you know, in the grand scheme of things, there's a million different laughs just coming at you from every, you know, direction in that scene. Yeah. That scene is, is, is 
you know, brilliantly funny. And it's just one line. Uh, but, you know, I, I asked uh, a couple of guys that uh, came by my table at, at a uh, one of the very first conventions that I went to. I said, what, what made you laugh at that so much, you and your brother? And they said, well, you know, my mom had uh, uh, taken us to see uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. And then we saw Teen Wolf or whatever. And we're sitting there watching The Naked Gun. And all of a sudden, there you were again. <laughs> So that made us laugh. And then the situation made us laugh. Yeah. So I guess, you know, that's that's a question that can only be answered by, you know, each each individual. But yeah, uh, but, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's something that, uh, you know, is, is still a, a, a bit of a mystery. But but I accept it. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, imagine you were what you probably did a one day on that shoot or something. And uh, not even a whole day. You yeah. Know? And yes, most folks, that's what they remember from that movie. I, I have, would have a harder time quoting other scenes. But yeah, I, and I agree with those gentlemen with, with their, their assessment. There's something in not only seeing you because it's so surprising. There's this balance of they set up the gag of, uh, you know, Leslie Nielsen's character impersonating or being mistaken for this opera singer. So they, but you kind of, you know, that's fine. <laughs> the fact that you spot him then and it's, you know, during this pivotal moment and it sort of, changes everybody's intention. Yeah. There's, you don't realize you're being set up for a punchline that, you know, or what the punchline could be and you've got it. It's pretty hysterical. Um, or yeah. set up the fact, I think that your character's there that you, this, yeah, this familiar face that we've seen already, you know, oftentimes they'll establish someone who's going to say the pivotal lines there and then we'll go to them again. No, just out of nowhere. Oh my God. Yeah. It's and, and, and just, just, uh, you know, uh, strictly that aside or whatever, if, if you, if, uh, for me, the two movies from that two comics from that time period that, uh, still hold up the best and make me laugh consistently every time, uh, were big adventure and, um, naked gun. Yeah. And uh, and actually, uh, I think that was my eldest son said, you know what? Those were the those are the only two films from that time period that that still hold up. And every time I see them, the you know, I, I went, you know what? You're right. Yeah. You know, they uh, there's a there's just a, a timeless, you know, thing there. Uh, it, they just worked. Yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, there's some aspect of the comedy that's sort of a throwback to eras before, but is timeless in that sense jokes yeah. that will always work hey mark i want to thank you so much for all of the roles you've played so many hours of joy that you've given us in your various characters we're certainly grateful for that and grateful for your time tonight how can we uh make sure that we keep in touch with you and know where you're going to appear next is your instagram the best way to know yes that would be the best, best one I, I should be the only mark holton on there but i think it's an official right mark holton and um let's see uh uh, I'm, you know, I'm on, I'm on Facebook as, as well. I don't haunt Facebook as much as I haunt <laughs> Instagram, no. but anything, anything that I put on Instagram is, is, is going to pop up uh, yeah. in, in, in Facebook magically instantaneously. And folks, you should do that to find out Mark's out there in conventions. Now he disappeared from the public eye for certain years and buddy's back and get one. Of, look, I got one of these too. Yeah, that's right. Be jealous. Be jealous, and then go get your own. I've got two of them here. I've got I've got one for each and every one of you. Yes, Mark. Thank you so much. 
Oh, I've, I've enjoyed it. I, you know, this is the, the, the second, the only, uh, you're the only host I have done two interviews with, and I have, I have enjoyed both of them uh, interviews immensely. So that was fun. Look, I, I really like that guy a lot. A super nice guy. Mm-hmm. Um, some, again, he's just one of those character actors we've seen everywhere and, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. loves to hate him in some roles, um, but still <laughs> loved him. It just means you're doing your job. He made an impression. (laughs) Yeah, and a super humble guy, and it was great to chat with him again. Uh, Once again, folks, if you want to talk to your favorite celebrities from the 1980s, uh, follow us on Facebook at 1980s now to find out when our next one is coming up. And it's, I'll just tell you right now, it's coming up in just a couple of weeks. It's Julie Brown. Uh, Hey, our show is brought to you every week. uh, Thanks in part to our early adopters like Kathy Burke, Rick Parker, and Karen Flieger. And especially our secret of my success level Patreon supporters, John Henderson, Craig Coletta, John Kaminsky, and our co-host, John Reddick. All right. Hey, we will talk to you next time on 1980s Now. Until next time. (laughs) Bye-bye now. (laughs)